Welcome to Quality Violence Cinema. Today we have our topic episode that we've been waiting for forever. I know we have announced it a while ago. We have the sexploitation topic, which includes an insane variety of different subgenres and just straight porn eventually. And <laughs> <laughs> it goes on and on, but we have uh, so much to talk about that I'm with my beautiful co-hosts, Christian and Goblin there. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Let's talk yeah. about sex. We're going to talk about sex and dicks and boners and people who didn't want to be involved. And that might get a little dark at times. But and taboo, a lot of schoolgirls and <laughs> some roughies, some of the harder stuff to watch. Oh, yeah. Yay. There's, there's and the stuff that you watch to get harder. So, you know, covering all variables. That is or true. If you just want to laugh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Some of these are hilarious. <laughs> No, but yeah, we're going to kind of jump through like a little bit of the history, touch on a bunch of different uh, movies and a bunch of different subgenres that we'll just kind of touch mm-hmm. upon. Uh, some other topic episodes, we might get it a little more detailed into like uh, different specific subgenres of sexploitation, like Nazi exploitation is basically just a subgenre of sexploitation at this point, because all of them are as well. Like, there's not one that's not. Yeah. I can't even think of one. <laughs> then women in captivity will do a whole separate thing. Yeah, and we're, and we're probably not going to touch on any of the Japanese sexploitation just because Pinku is his own thing as well. So we'll yeah. probably we'll be sticking with mostly you know European and American sexploitation. A lot of European. <laughs> but yeah, fucking a. Let's get into it, boys. So where should we start? I think we should start with the 1920s with some yes. of the fear films that kind of brought sex to the front in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, as soon as there was a camera, there was porn, you know, and even yeah, if it yeah. wasn't like publicized, people were making their own private things, even in the earlier six, days. Six second reels and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But it and definitely what? started in the late 20s. Um, but was, like, even then, it was just more of like exploiting girls with little clothing. It wasn't even full nude. It was like girls in bikinis, like having See, fun on the beach, you know, type and, thing. And they were all kind of blinded under the educational light. And a lot of the more fear films, those were the ones that were just exploiting girls. But we did have legit educational ones where you saw like women giving birth and the um, educational films for like the uh, American army during the time where they would show them how to like clean their urethra and so that's kind of how they made those fear movies was through trying to like weave their way through the haze code so like mm-hmm. it was well, a way was... for them to make okay. sexual content well, that was, sense, before, that was before the haze code though mom and dad fucking all that type of shit was before the haze code yeah but after the haze code in the 30s that's when it became kind of a loophole to make the fear films over sexualized mm-hmm. Well, it was still a loophole to gain a wider audience. Yeah, but the yeah, big cause... the big issues were, you know, because of the Catholic Church kind of, you know, taking over and basically saying, like, you know, not even the, um, you know, married couple can be in the same bed and... You Can't know, show like... toilets. <laughs> yeah, and so a lot of that was just fear yeah. of the Catholic Church. And so it was kind of like, we were fear of censorship and fear of just, you know, being completely you know taken down so that yeah. was kind of like why a lot of films were more on the educational reason is to keep the catholics happy yeah well, yeah but i mean it also like differed from town to town because i mean like we think of censorship on a way broader sense now i mean back then they would literally just travel through towns and with their reels and play their movies so there was they were more worried about 
censoring themselves based off of what town they're around to. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they would end up with like 10 different cuts of the same movie just to placate each town that they went to. Like, yeah. oh, we have to remove this part, but this town allows this, but this town you have to take this out, but we can show this. Like, you know, so that's why, like, a lot of these older ones, there are so many different cuts of them and some under different names and all that was just so they could get an audience while also still following the law. Yeah. Yeah. And it, see, the, I'm touching on like a way future topic even though it's it's not really a whole topic is exploitation but like that makes me interested on like especially like companies like vinegar syndrome like they just find these film reels and i'm wondering if we ever actually like got the original cut of some of these movies like like i would like to see like the actual boxes i know i have one of the uh real boxes and the stickers vinegar is like, pretty good about trying shit. to give the actual full cuts on things and if not yeah. they'll give it as a bonus feature so you can kind of do whatever Oh well, yeah, but, some of these films they literally just found and then never heard anything about. Like they had to kind of search for some history, and some they don't even find any history about. Yeah, kind of like Bat Pussy, where it's like they have no idea what exact year it came out. You know, yeah, it's like seventy something, <laughs> seventy something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then no, going back into like sexploitation and keeping kind of like a positive morality and keeping everything pure, it was just definitely like that bad girls become whores and drug addicts, you know, so it was just kind of like that passive scares. Like They were definitely like a black and white, like, you know, this is good, this is bad. If you do this, you will get AIDS and die, you know, yeah. before AIDS became a <laughs> it, big thing. It was, it like, was such a It was like syphilis extreme. back then. It yeah, like, it was syphilis back then, yeah. 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 yeah, no, it was a very big, just like fear-mongering, like, it's like sex panic before the satanic panic movement. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're they're holding hands in public, fucking whores. Like See, well, I, it was I also think, a big anti-drug thing too. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, it was a panic a of, of the like societal system is kind of collapsing. Like the whole family dynamic to where your kids need to do this specific thing. They can't have sex before marriage. They can't do drugs. Like the extremism that it took, like this these type of films are a little after like the mom and dad ones uh because the edge like the actual fear films but uh like it it seems like they were meant for kids to watch i mean are you trying to brainwash like the 20 year olds too mm -hmm. like that or like a lot of them are also... using the same exact cuts of things too that it was almost like they had this script that they're they trying to push and it was almost exact replica and between movies or they're trying to push a product like the book um art of love you know oh, it was just God, like yeah yeah just trying to basically sell product on alongside the film yeah well i mean that's the major thing about exploitation is it's all about marketing all about selling shit i mean <laughs> but so we can say that a majority of these of these like you know fear-mongering films were in the 20s and then kind of in the 30s it kind of became because kind of what i'm thinking is like was there kind of um, like a, a small cultural shift with the roaring 20s coming through and people like drinking and partying and all that it that was the war that, that changed it the 30s yeah the yeah. war yeah because then it was like it was more propaganda than selling a product you're more yeah. like then it was more fear-mongering you know like the nazis using um you know propaganda and stuff like that so basically uh, nudist movies to try to showcase like the purest you know people and like in their uh, naked glory i feel wrong naked. calling nazi sexploitation films nudie camp movies 
just because of the connotations <laughs> with it. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the Nazis had their own like fucking nudie camp movies of like, like, like of all things to push. That's kind of the weirder ones. Well, see, I fucking the Nazis were pretty open about everything to do with sex. Like, it's some of the coolest like antique stuff is like the Nazi porn that they came out back in that time too. Like, SS caught rippers. Yeah, like strap on shit. Fucking like uh, they were pretty far advanced for it. <laughs> like, yeah, America go never to... success like accepted that for fucking decades after they did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, in World War II, the army, you know, used exploitation to ed- educate soldiers, you know, too, and it was like required material, you know, it was like, here you go, this is an educational video to make yeah. sure you don't get syphilis, you know, those things. Yeah, like and they legitimately had like cockwashing stations after you came off of like wh- what's it called when you go off a of base and have fun for a while? I don't, I don't know. On leave or some shit. Leave, leave that yeah. way. But yeah, mm-hmm. those but that, actually disturbed the shit out of me. But <laughs> and it was also kind of the start of like the pinup girl because it was like oh, yeah, to help lift morale with the troops and stuff. So you had the sexploitation movies kind of promoting it in the sense of like, hey, we know you're going to do this, and then also, but like that, it like this is where pinup girls started becoming big with like, and then Sailor Jerry tattoos coming along and all that. <laughs> so it like yeah. sex was definitely kind of a phenomenon in the military on. Yeah. both sides for a while oh i think that the war and the pinup girls kind of had like that whole like the nickel and dime shit back in the day like i think that's what kind of started it is like there is some acceptance of some sexualized like versions of women in the war because that's what they needed for morale and we kind of took that back into our own society and got mm-hmm. a little little bit less rude just a bit well, yeah, and there's also like any reason to get your knocks off, you know, with the soldiers being on leave. I mean, even just those nickel arcades and peep show films, I'm sure, were, you know, heavily for the troops. Oh, um, yeah. just... I mean, I think, like, I mean, because pinups definitely led to like burlesque videos and burlesque shows and stuff. Of... Oh, yeah, that's definitely the lead into it for sure. Yeah. And then the burlesque just became this, this cheap way of making films because you, you basically have a live show. And then you just film it, and there you go, and you turn it into a film, and it just made See, it. They realized that, it was easy to do. That's also what killed burlesque, though, yeah. is that nobody was going to burlesque shows anymore because they didn't have to like feel embarrassed that they were going. They could literally just like fucking <laughs> throw raincoat, a huge trench, man. yeah, yeah. A raincoat, and go to the theater and watch it. Yeah, like, that was one of my <laughs> make sure your coat's long enough. Studying. Yeah, one of the fun terms I learned while uh, studying this was uh, raincoaters. <laughs> so you couldn't see what was happening underneath the coat. We're like, damn it, if only Pee Wee Herman knew. If only Pee Wee Herman knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, wear a jacket next time. Damn. Seriously, why are you going all out with it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to ruin my jacket. <laughs> But of course, a big thing that led to, you know, sexploitation kind of coming to the forefront was definitely like the free love movement of the 60s. Like oh, after yeah. World War Two, after the kind of like American dream era of the 50s, and then it died out and just became like, that's, that's where boundaries started really getting pushed for the first time. See, I think like to speak on like before that, I, I don't see the 50s having a lot to do with the sexploitation genre. Like it felt like it kind of either was the exact same or kind of died out a little bit. Like, yeah, but also I, mean, I think, 
yeah, it was a lot of repeat. And I think society at that point was just trying to get back to a sense of more like normality. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I don't. I mean, I'm sure they're still trying to fight it. I'm just basically like, no, no, no. You know, there was still no, a lot no, of like no. issues of trying to gain control and then getting into cuties. But, oh, nudie cuties. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the '60s came through because that's when we started getting nudie cuties. We started getting like nude summer films, all that stuff. Where like yeah. they they were they had a plot and they had you know a lot of them were comedic, but they you know nudity was definitely involved in some way, shape, or form constantly. Well, they also had to start making them as documentaries first. Of like, this is how the nudists live. Like, yeah, it's it. It, it's something so non-graphic still had to be shown as documentaries and it was the mm-hmm. only one that kind of jumped pretty quickly though because yeah. like well it's not too bad i guess now we can make them like legit movies <laughs> like russ yeah. meyer jumped onto that shit but... yeah the thing with those movies is that they weren't it wasn't graphic sex yet it was just oh hey we're taking off our bikini tops Ooh, hey we're having a conversation with my boobs out and stuff yeah like there wasn't <laughs> super aggressive graphic sex like no, even a documentary yeah. chain chained girl that lesbian one just so over the top it's so cool. oh and my gosh, yeah <laughs> i watched like a little bit of it one time i was like what the fuck yeah I just, um, no yeah, i watched bro, the trailer i, I hadn't even watched the whole thing i watched the trailer uh, <laughs> It's worth a watch just to be like, what the fuck was wrong with society? Well, because that's <laughs> another that's another side of sexploitation is back to that fear mongering, but of like a new generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's of like that, this is a cultural it's... revolution. Save your kids, you know. It's the end of the world. Yeah, because well, there's that, gay people. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be a lesbian drug addict. Right? A lesbian drug addict. <laughs> I smoked pot once, and now I'm gay. <laughs> They eat, they eat much. the box. So they they start mainlining heroin. Uh, bad time. Basically, if there was a big <laughs> cultural phenomenon with the youth at the time, the older people would make fucking movies demonizing it. Yeah, yeah. And I think what kind of helps liberate that was definitely just all the theaters promoting it. You know, like Forty Second Street, and just kind of getting yeah. like more of a scene where it was like you felt like it was okay. Yeah, you know. which was because like the the rise of like straight up independent theaters who would play like the low budget nasties. Like even when it comes to normal exploitation films, mm. you would have those theaters that like strictly just showed like the low budget gross movies that became what we love today. Yeah, yeah, and just and like it, some of the stuff that came out of Forty Second Street was great. You know, like Italian Stallion with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and Ginger, which I love. I just remember watching a lot of the 42nd Street trailers. Like, if you, if you haven't had it, there's like five of them or something like that. Um, yeah, but they're great volumes. if you want to just get into old, you know, exploitation type stuff. It's really funny. I like yeah. the Avon Theater stuff a lot, but that's more the roughy stuff. So we'll get to mm-hmm. that later. Yeah. And going back to Russ Meyer real quick is like he seems like one of the only like sexploitation filmmakers to kind of be widely accepted. Like if you mm-hmm. actually watch his movies like Super Vixens and Up, like they're they're really cute and they're really fun. Like they're well done, too, and well made. But and he shoots the female body very graphically, but also beautifully. Like there's weird art cheesy art house feel to like a lot of his flicks yeah well it makes sense that it was him because he was a soldier you know especially going from like the 30s exploitation you know and coming from that war and then basically like saying i'm no longer a soldier i'm a filmmaker you yeah know, he he had a lot of know-how of, of that genre during the time 
Yeah. You've probably been to a burlesque, burlesque show or two. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. And that's why you'll see a lot of in his films, there's a lot of um, Nazi Just references, dancing. but it's, but it's not like to in any way glorifying it. Mm-hmm. He was very much um, trying to showcase it as it is. And it was definitely anti, you know, fascism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anti crony. But <laughs> I mean, of course, though coming up because i mean we're working our way through in the 60s so but at the time sexploitation and exploitation was starting to make big waves in america leading up to you know 69 with the andy warhol movie release blue movie aka fuck which kind of put sex on the main screen or you know mainstream on the screen in front of everyone but at the same time denmark uh, was kind of really building a name internationally as soon as they legalized all forms of pornography and ironically 1969 yeah where you start getting a lot of international uh, movies yeah and a lot of places were just putting out porn through Denmark even if they're America you know or in America yeah yeah and it's crazy like how accepted Andy Warhol was too like if you look at some of his other just like short movies like you got a guy getting a blowjob from another guy but it's just his face the whole time yeah like and he produced a lot of sexploitation movies in the future too like the fucking Andy Warhol's Frankenstein like it was another way to even market to a wider audience and get more money it was another way to exploit the genre is by adding this huge name to it yeah oh yeah i mean at the time he was kind of taking over the entire art world so he could do what he wanted oh yeah but uh, then, he could do no wrong <laughs> yeah but at that time like everything was black and white and there was a big reason why um is just because kodak had a copyright for color film and if they had their got their hands of trying to push it through to you know put through color they would just destroy it yeah and, yeah. and, and that was so there's a lot of movies that have been lost due to kodak being petty Oh yeah, which thank God they lost the patent because fuck that. Right, well, like the next year too, it was like, or in, yeah. like and after nineteen sixty nine, like nineteen seventy, the copyright ran out, and then there's a boom of the porn industry. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously that couldn't last long though. They can't be the moral arbiters judging what's right and wrong. Like one it's... camera company that nobody uses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, right. I, I still use Kodak. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. No, but that definitely with Kodak <laughs> losing the copyright on that, that was the explosion of what sexploitation of the 60s would blow into would be the golden age of porn. But where it was legitimate movies with like trained actors and stuff making sex films with plots yeah. that were like respected and loved by a lot of people. Like definitely starting and with Andy Warhol because that was the first like nationally released movie in the United States that had graphic sex in it, and that's that movie definitely started the conversation with a lot of like celebrities where even like Bob Hope is talking about you know sex on his TV show, and it leads up to the seventies, uh, Last Tango in Paris. Mm-hmm. Marlon Brando stars in a fucking erotic drama that gets tried like so much controversy surrounded it surrounded it the director ended up like doing time and lost his rights for like five years where he couldn't vote or do anything he did like four year, a four-month probation prison sentence uh in the united states and went through the supreme court and i actually haven't seen the movie i know you have bones but apparently the biggest controversial scene was an anal rape scene involving butter <laughs> 
that was the scene that everyone seemed to have a problem with, and I wasn't sure if it was the butter. If it was or margarine. Like, it would have been fine. Right? <laughs> if it was vegetable based. Fucking, I'm butter gang. God damn it. I'm, I'm with the I'm with the sick on cinema boys. Fuck margarine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm so, good all down um, for some good butter, right? <laughs> so with Last Tango in Paris, they, they didn't even screen it for critics due to Italian legal laws. They didn't know what they yeah. were breaking, what they were doing wrong. And it got to the point where it was, you know, word had spread. Oh, you got to see this movie. You got to see this movie. It cost in 1970 $100 a ticket just to watch it. That's Which, crazy. like, with inflation and stuff, I don't know what it would be now, but it would be some kind of stupid for one oh, movie. Be ridiculous, yeah. Especially just to see Marlon Brando's ass, but... <laughs> Great movie, though. It's not worth, like, $100 a ticket <laughs> in, like, 1970, though. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's something that, like, we... I'm not sure how many, like, of the, like foreign like italian stuff we actually got over here like at that time i mean i know they were pumping a ton of shit out and we had like 42nd street but i don't know how many actually like brought it to the american market because of how far behind we were compared to them yeah well because i mean denmark had been making straight up porn since uh like popular porn movies and magazines since 67 and it wasn't until 69 that it was legalized so how many of those underground like quiet hush hush films did like you know, never make it overseas or even into the next country. Yeah. yeah. Like they're... I'm picturing just like eight millimeter, like <laughs> with all the weird, crazy porn in the bottom. It's just regular porn. People are like in coats hiding in the alleys. Yeah, just hope yeah. somebody archived them sort yeah. of. But then you get, you know, vinegar syndrome, which is basically like a film, you know, issue, which is where they got their name. It's just basically like film. Yeah. And just like basically naturally yeah. breaking down and causing that whole issue. So a lot of these films are just lost because of that. Yeah. And also for getting destroyed. Cause like with last uh, Tango in Paris, uh, when it went to trial and the director was sentenced and all that, they ordered all copies to be destroyed. Luckily a few made it to the national film library. So they were held on to. So that's how it ended up getting like a <clears throat> major release. But yeah, at the time they, they said all copies of this have to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that how film that you hear those stories. Like kind of like uh in the Silver Globe, that was one of those ones that was like a decade later they got put out, but they thought that everything was burned. But they were issued to Polish Polish government was like, No, you need to destroy it. But the guy was like, No, I'm not gonna do that. Fuck I was that. gonna hide it. I'm gonna hide it away and then yeah. maybe it, maybe we'll touch on it later. And it, eventually it was and they were able to make the film. But and yet kinda, we can't get a vent horizon. Yeah. <laughs> Just too ahead of its time, bro. So we accidentally destroyed all the film. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but to going back into, like, you know, the whole sex education was kind of reintroduced in the 70s, but it was kind of like a little different. It wasn't quite like the, um, you know, selling a product or or trying to fear, you know, put fear. And it was actually more actually trying to educate teens, um, especially high schoolers and young college students. And um <laughs> I, I think with especially with this reissue with like the German schoolgirl ones, because their whole gimmick was like, this is what the parents need to be watching to see what their teens are doing. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's really just used as a plot line, though, like to make a mockumentary that's more of a comedy. 
Because, I mean, like, I guess there is, like, a wholesome feel, especially with the schoolgirl report, where it's like, I'm so glad I get to know you, sweetie, now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but then you look at, like, Taboo, and it's not quite, because, like, it's, like, was that was one of the films that we can't make that again because of, of yeah. the laws against incest, of sort because of, that was, like, legit, you know, incest yeah. being talked oh, yeah. about. And now it's all stepfather, stepdaughter, and, like, there's laws against a lot of that because of, you know, they can't be directly blood-related. Yeah. Um, which is weird oh it's like yeah no there's a lot of weird laws now so there's a lot of movies that came around out around this time that we definitely could not make today oh yeah i.e taming of rebecca oh yeah all right yeah there's a bunch of them any of the avon theater films at the time really to be honest i don't think i want to see somebody making making another taming of rebecca oh yeah Um, no drug point the new drug plantation of more like the acid days of like yeah, where sorry, it was no longer it uh, wasn't weed and i'm switching between opiums uh, it wasn't weed and opium it was acid. education oh <laughs> they did do a lot of opium films actually it's all yeah. oriental ones <laughs> well because the vietnam war i mean they were coming back and like that's what like that's what i heard is my um my baby mama's grandpa was in the vietnam war and he was talking about how he they were smoking like opium our joints dipped in opium and they would yeah. dry and then smoke them and shit like it I mean, was I've just done that. Could, he's like you could get them for a quarter like you could buy one for a quarter just walking around yeah, yeah. i think so vietnam's like, really ha- what brought opium to the like united states because like, yeah. there's a lot of, he had a like, lot of soldiers, soldiers. yeah mm-hmm. and which also which then led into a second wave of like drug exploitation movies around that same time yeah. yeah but then also We're, acid no. getting pushed out and things because yeah. you have like the defiance of good acid eaters psychedelic wanda. sex freaks <laughs> you know, wanda fucking these movies are crazy though they get less educational and more trippy and surreal which is a cool aspect but mm-hmm. they, they these ones are really really fucking bizarre movies oh defiance of good is their target audience are the people who are actually using the drugs yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, the defiance of good was just so fucked. And it was just basically a girl, you know, she's doing cocaine for the first time with her friend and literally her crazy, you know, religious mother sees her do her first bump and then automatically is like, you need to go to a mental institution. <laughs> and and then the in the mental institution, she ends up being like viciously raped, um, like loses her mind and ends up having to do like like there's more drugs involved and things like that and then gets kidnapped by like the main guy to be like her like his own private sex slave and try to sexually liberate her it's like what the fuck is going on (laughs) see that's one i didn't actually get to watch beforehand yeah that's why you don't do cocaine you guys stick with the heroin and the opium (laughs) and wanda was really good too and that one kind of goes slightly I, I don't know. I thought some of the drugs were the. I don't know. You have separate things. <laughs> I I couldn't get into Wanda, man. I I liked the ending because the ending's really where like touched onto the drug exploitation aspect, mm-hmm. where it got to that real trippy LSD type thing. Even though they were shooting in front of a fucking fish tank like half the time, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was just. Well, the plot something. just went all over the place because they yeah. were just like, all right, so this guy just came in from the mental or the mental institution. It was like, I guess, like escaped. Yeah. And then he just goes and like buddies up with the guy and then they go in this whole sexual escrigate. But the reason I liked it because it kind of like reversed the roles a little bit where it was like the women were holding the man captive. But then all of a sudden he basically 
starts yeah. holding the women captive and it goes into it and then he's just forgiven and let out and then they kill him later it's like they, just <laughs> filmed, they filmed a bunch of shit and added it together because like i i get what you're saying about the role reversal it's like during like this is really kind of where ruffy is like kind of started but like it it had that role reversal but then completely fucked it over because just bad filmmaking and like mm-hmm. it, it was just so confusing to me i lost i was lost that whole fucking movie for the most part <laughs> yeah and then there's like the manson exploitation like sweet savior kind of had a bit of that wanda i think it's like almost a better version of wanda it had some similarities yeah but it's definitely um this more of just like this guy that thinks he's basically um the new embodiment of jesus you know but almost like a uh charles manson type character um he just kind of goes and has this massive you know sex party orgy but ends up just killing them but you can tell it's a reference to the manson because he calls them all pigs yeah they just didn't want to touch on it exactly because this Mm -hmm. it did come up very close because i mean to, to be honest like the whole manson thing with it happening kind of pretty much said hey everything we talked about in this drug movies is 100 real here's a bunch of people who are out in the woods did acid and then fucking murdered someone yeah or you know <laughs> quite a few people so kind of give credence to like what they were talking about the whole time even though there was a lot more shit that went into it but at the time people were still in that black and white thinking even though the movies weren't being as black and white about what they were doing so like i've so that's when the Manson exploitation kind of blew up because it was like, here's what we've been talking about. We're going to make a hundred movies about it, but we're not going to talk, say that we're actually talking about that. Yeah. It gave a hint we're of like, reality to their extremism. <laughs> yeah. Which became uh-huh. like a lot of cult films, like not, you know, cult movies, but like movies about cults. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it is cult films too. Cause that's when it jumps into the satanic like area. Like, yeah is that same exact era where we had like human sacrifices and psychedelic sex drug cults and crazy shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, And the cult was definitely one that um, almost got lost and apparently like, uh, you know, destroyed in a fire. But then the only one that exists is like a German language overdubbed one with no subtitles, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And see, we, we were talking about vinegar syndrome, but that's another detriment to old film is that it's extremely, extremely fucking flammable. <laughs> like, yeah. We lost a lot of them to fires. <laughs> yeah, because they even had that whole thing. It's like, oh, those films, you can't be, you can't put those on the bus. So like people couldn't even bring them in public transit. Yeah. It, it might have caused issue. So yeah. yeah, they were so volatile. They had to drive them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite um sexploitation films are when they're starting to go sexual musicals you know like fairy tales is absolutely phenomenal that was actually one of the first sexploitations i saw because it was when cult video basically they were making um a lot of those vhs's that were just put out in like hollywood videos and things like that or like the yeah. more underground or places that had like a porn room in the back you know type thing See, it, it's definitely like added into the genre too a little more because it's a lot less graphic like especially mm-hmm. even for this time era fairy tales is amazing by the way the fucking dialogue is just golden like i love the characters i love the actors there's a bunch of great pretty big actors in here actually mm-hmm. um but i'm pretty sure it was an actual like uh conceptual sequel to alice in wonderland though wasn't it yeah and then cinderella had a lot of the same uh Oh, actors no. like the guy the the main black guy in it he was in both but in the cinderella he was uh a fairy mary you know kind of thing then maybe it was a sequel to cinderella i'm thinking i'm yeah. pretty sure they're more um 
correlated but that and there's a lot of like similarities in all three of those like the fairy tales Alice in wonderland and cinderella yeah and there's a cinder there's a there's a cinderella 2000 which kind of came out later really also now for alice in wonderland they did an off-broadway play so i wonder if they fucked on stage in that one (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no but actually the same producer who did uh Alice in Wonderland also did some of the like spoofs and parodies that ended up coming along, like Flesh Gordon yeah. and uh, fucking what was the other one? Yeah, he did that. But he also, but the thing is, is he also produced Mona, which came out in the seventies, which really kicked off along with the Andy Warhol. Uh, it was like the second movie that was nationally released to have graphic sex scenes. But he ended up going into more of the spoof era of stuff, which led to the biggest porno graphic film of all time, sexploitation, whatever you want to call it, Deep Throat. Yeah, which is where everything just kind of went off the rails, and that's like, like it, critics were talking about it. Roger Ebert talked about mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, See, it was I, finally getting recognized. Re- the The sex industry was finally getting recognized as like a viable yeah. career. I yeah, and and Harry Reem and stuff. But sorry, yeah, no, I think Gillis. that these group of films were like top quality out of the genre because I mean, like. Flesh Gordon, the effects are amazing in that fucking movie, man. Like, I love the claymation in that. And they had, I'm guessing that the guy that you said's connected to all of these, he had a big part to play, but they have a huge budget to them and a, a huge, like, oh, yeah. writing staff. You could obviously tell, like, the story actually mattered. So did each aspect of filmmaking. I think this is really the quality is what jumped it up to the mainstream. Yeah, well, see, the- but that's the thing is like with Deep Throat, that was a very comedic movie that showed that it could be done. But then it was you're followed up with what's you know called one of the greatest, the greatest pornographic film of all time would be the opening of Misty Beethoven, mm-hmm. where it was actually like handled well, it's taken more seriously. It stars these famous <clears throat> porn stars who are also trained actors. Yeah. yeah, and there's also The Devil and Miss Jones, which is a, a very big one at the time, but that one's super controversial. It's basically a girl that's like trying not to commit suicide, so just goes on like a sexual escapade to okay. basically cure so herself. Yeah. I did, I did want to touch on, especially in the sex comedy era, with a few of the films that we have written down here. Like, I love Booby Hatch a lot, but some of the jokes do not age well and they're a little disturbing like yeah. the, the rape the rape scene Zuh, and booby hatch that are played like a joke like are they're pretty they don't age well is what i'm saying yeah i mean you've gone to like uh linda lovelace and just all the stuff that she started you oh, know man. and just like just kind of exposing the the whole sexual uh porn industry during that time yeah. um but I she mean, used to she... make some comedies after too, like uh, uh, Linda Lovelace for president. Fucking hilarious. Some of the jokes <laughs> don't age well now one either. There's some, there's a lot of racist jokes. They're like, oh god. <laughs> oh, no. But do you know what is a movie that aged well that we should remake sometime? What the classic Pussy Talk? Oh god, Pussy Talk is amazing. <laughs> and there are already, according you said, there are what two more sequels after that? Mm, the Pussy the Talk two. Uh, well, the Lula's but... talking ass is uh, just Franco. Yeah. Oh, is there it? we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I I do want to touch on this one too because if you guys really want a recommendation for me from this whole episode, heterosexualis <laughs> is an amazing, amazing sex comedy that came out 
you're welcome this time i know thank you <laughs> right? we for have showing yeah but it's literally it feels like early john waters and it is so fucking good like you just need to watch this movie and it is constantly entertaining like even mm -hmm. in the last part where it is getting a little more sexual a little more drawn out that you still are so entertained because of the character that's thrown inside of this and it is so worth your time oh there, there's a bunch of good comedies like thunder crack which is a good one if you want to get into something that's kind of off the wall and funny um yeah, that one's I, great i wanted to rewatch that one it's been years since i've seen it uh, talking back from outer space oh fuck yeah one of my favorite yes. pornos of all time <laughs> yeah dude that yeah, movie's I, i've actually so i i've seen, seen it, it of course but when i did me and Christian watched it, and we watched none of the fucking scenes. We were literally just skip the fuck scenes and be like, "All right, check out this dialogue. All right, yeah. look at this set. All right, watch this acting." Like it was. Oh, that's great! It's just thoroughly like an enjoyable, like oh, dumb yeah. movie. Oh, it's yeah. so fun! And there's a few that are all done by that production group, and they're all great. Yeah. Okay. Let let's jump in the fucking Jess Franco and John Roland uh, or Gene Roland, whatever you want to fucking say his name. <laughs> it's a couple different ways, but I personally fucking love both of these filmmakers a lot. Mm -hmm. They jump, they jump all over. They're fucking, uh, they traverse through all fucking genres of exploitation. They go from hardcore with uh oh, what's the hardcore Jess Franco movie you told me to watch for this? Oh. Um, I'm drawing the blanks here. It was actually apparently the first legal one in Spain. Oh, oh. Uh, Lily and the Perverted Virgin. Uh, yeah. A hardcore yeah. movie that wasn't hardcore originally, but soon as the laws changed in Spain, Franco was like, yep, we're shooting porn for this right now. <laughs> and it actually worked. Uh, some of the things didn't age well either. I'm not going to tell you just so you could actually watch it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then... Uh, John Roland, Fly Me the French Way. Uh, there's a lot film. of great classic exploitation movies they did, but they jumped all around to hardcore, mm -hmm. to non sexploitation, to sexploitation art house. Um, but yeah, How and, to Seduce a Virgin. Yeah, and that um, the actress, just Franco's wife, um, Lena Rome. Yeah, uh, with the uh, Rolls Royce baby and stuff like that, and which is yeah. definitely kind of it's it's not the best you know plot. It's pretty basic, you know. She's just basically going around asking to be escorted uh, on her in her car, and then just picks up random hitchhikers and fucks them. You know. <laughs> See, yeah. I think that one's more interesting because that's one of the only uh, ones, especially hardcore ones, she was in that she wasn't with Jess. Because that's actually yeah. not a Jess Franco movie, no, which yeah, is rare not. to see. Yeah. But the thing is that I've I kind of just realized, but we keep saying like, oh, the jokes haven't aged well in this. Oh, the like jokes haven't aged well in that. But it's like even um, as porn and sex exploitation became ma more mainstream, it's still dealt with taboo topics. Mm -hmm. Just like the drug exploitation of the 20s and 30s that led up to it, where they're like, it wasn't just oh, don't do drugs, but it was like don't do drugs and racism or don't do drugs and something else we disagree so, with like with with lily and the perverted virgin it wasn't really about the jokes or context per se uh i'll just get into it because uh she's not a part of the uh actual sex scenes in the movie but uh the main actress is legit like 16 17 years old in this <laughs> 
Well, nobody tells me nothing around here, so yeah. I just sound like a damn fool. <laughs> but uh, getting into like classic films, you'll see that a lot occasionally. Kind of Tracy like, Lord's bullshit is this? It, it was basically kind of the Tracy Lord thing. It's like no one asked enough questions, really. Except uh, speaking of that, though, like it is more of a morality thing to do with other cultures. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, it, it was never a porno originally. And so the whole movie they shot, which is actually pretty a great movie, is uh, legit. Major actors in the scene. We were talking, we were hitting <laughs> Lena Romay. Uh, Jess worked with a lot of them. Soledad Miranda, fucking. Um, I just had another one. Oh, Harry uh, Reem, who was in Force Entry, uh, and quite a few I other all things. All-time favorite actor, Jamie Gillis. Yeah, legendary. Yeah. Saying, Dracula was... Bites, Water Power, and they're in quite a few oh, films together. Um, I think uh, Sleepyhead. They're both in that. He was in the opening yeah. of Misty Beethoven. Mm-hmm. He was in a lot of the popular ones. I mean, he was the biggest porn star of the seventies and eighties. Of course, competing with John Holmes, who everyone else knows, but John yeah, Holmes played enough. second fiddle to Jamie Gillis in Dracula Bites. John Holmes is a doctor in Dra- fucking Jamie Gillis' Dracula. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love John Holmes. Because uh, that was like a whole 3D porn time. Um, they were like Actually, that was probably, I think, one of the first ones that kind of start doing 3D were actually porns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there was absolutely. like John Holmes being like, you in the third row can mean the shadow of my long shalong. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> You're I, I poke your eye out, can, can we rent out a theater? <laughs> I'll find you that trailer. That. It's hilarious. Hell All the John Holm trailers are great. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Lena Quigley is definitely someone to mention that was in quite a bit of sexploitation, but she's oh, just yeah. got huge into just being a scream queen, too, well, and to just be being honest, into lots of sleazy. Uh, she she would get completely naked the entire time so she of course started in sexploitation and then jumped on to cheesy b horror movies and she's yeah. still working today like mm-hmm. she's definitely the most popular i would say out of like the whole sexploitation genre uh, and then, she um, didn't go that far into it yeah and then um uh yushi Daigard. She was the, um, well apparently she's a Swedish model but she does a lot of uh, place off as being the German Oh, um, the one where she was in the about, yeah, she was oh, the Elsa, gotcha. Yeah, she was in Elsa. She was in a Rush lot of Myers. the Rushmeyer films. Um, Kentucky Fried SSL Movie, SSL apparently she was time. in. Kentucky Fried Movie is the best. Yeah, but she's oh, yeah. in quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of stuff. Okay, speaking of who's in a kind of bit because this is a movie of the next topic, but that little dwarf from Sinful Dwarf, like. <laughs> I love that dude. He was a legitimate good actor. And if you watch fairy tales, uh, he's one of the little dwarves. Like his face is so recognizable. It kind of looks a little fucked up. And like, <laughs> we know how many times you've watched Sinful Dwarf. Oh, I've seen it so many times. <laughs> but yeah, Sinful Dwarf is one of the only ruffies that actually fuck with me. Like the needle that's all broken and shit. And he's still like putting it into her. And like, <laughs> he's like panning like a dog every time he fucking like injects heroin into girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that whole scene in um, Pink Flamingos where they're in the dungeon. Oh, kind of yeah. reminds you a bit of that where he's just like, you know, jizzing in his hand and putting it into the girls. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Sinful Dwarf is an American Denmark co-production 
And so basically, we got the actual. Yeah, it's movie a Danish version. film. I could have just looked at that. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but basically, we got the movie version and they had the triple x scenes added into the film it was a different name of a film too it was just called the dwarf yeah yeah and then there was an alternate u.s release that also changed the title called the abducted bride yeah that's the one i was thinking yeah the abducted bride it's like a whole different name no, yeah. I'm sure there's tons of AKAs on a lot of these films too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel it's like they're Al Adamson films where it's the same movie under like five different titles. <laughs> we'll think we'll think about it. Like they had different cuts and different reels, but like so, some of these movies could actually have been mm-hmm. talked about. So if you could change the title, you could probably show it in a place that it wasn't allowed again. Well, kind of like the the Manson Massacre versus the Cult. See, a a bunch of the major labels though, they have a lot of films that correlate too with like all the different ones we were talking about. Like, uh, which one do you want to start? We could start with fucking vinegar syndrome with sex world. When which which one of you said something that had a corresponding with this? Dracula um, lights with vinegar syndrome, the two disc special edition. Yeah, I don't own that one. <laughs> I do. I like Jamie Gillis bringing up some of the major labels though, because they've touched on and they've released a lot of sexploitation cinema that I don't think we would have ever gotten without them. And I mean, especially Vinegar Syndrome is definitely my favorite out of all the uh, different companies that put them out because they're revolutionary technology to save film and they're fighting against their same thing that they named themselves after. But they had a crazy, crazy stuff like the lost films of Herschel Gordon Lewis, the movies that started his career was uh, yeah. like sexploitation and porn. Like, yeah. Then, and then he became the godfather of gore. <laughs> like, yeah. And he actually made a damn good fucking Western porno though. I actually really like it. Yeah. Abilene. <laughs> and then like Lloyd Kaufman's first movie was a fucking thriller porno called sugar cookies. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch of great ones that we talked about here. And um, he got started with, a lot of cool things like the art house collection that inspired uh like andy warhol andy warhol talked about this one uh fucking wakefield pool's bible the first like kind of gay version of the bible a little bit (laughs) and it's actually really really entertaining but uh you jump around to like uh the italians with massage parlor murder which would be a great fucking jump to blue underground who's just amazing with jess franco tinto brass uh any of the italian sleaze basically blue underground fucking rocks yeah i like blue alpha um archives this one that's really good but they do more to the roughies and kind of catering to a lot of those films but there's tons and tons of uh blue uh, alpha blue stuff yeah Yeah, i was gonna say uh massacre video doesn't really do a lot of that stuff but they do have a really good avon triple feature of um forgive me i have sinned which stars ron jeremy as a rapey priest come (laughs) go figure uh (laughs) and it also has like pain mania which is like a pseudo documentary about the underground bondage scene in new york hosted by phil prince's daughter like so and then i forgot the third one i think it's not the taming of rebecca which is the other big one that avon did but it's one of them but like that's a it's a really good transfer it's a really good like triple feature blu-ray for uh the old avon ruffy stuff so there's definitely some time when um horror and porn kind of mixed which was kind of interesting there's a few like porno holocaust which is not good <laughs> i mean Giamatta. the direct yeah i mean the director's legendary 
but it's it's a horror and a porn, but it, it doesn't do a good job in either of those. <laughs> it's, it's it's too yeah. long. It's like two hours and thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, similar like Beast in Space was another one that was kind of like in that realm. Um, definitely a little way better. Um, the costume is over the top. Is basically just like a, a goat guy going running around, but it's interesting. But hardcore now that one's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I definitely recommend you pick up Massacre. Just put in, uh, put it out, and so if you have a chance, uh, definitely check that one out. Oh, yeah. And not to be confused with the Sam Hell um, release, but that if you want to get into sexploitation, support that too. Yeah, support <laughs> that too. He's definitely kind of one that's bringing uh, a lot of that. And one name that we didn't uh, get into is uh, Richard Kern. Um, Richard oh, Kern yeah. is a huge name in in the sexploitation world, um, and Sam definitely has taken some inspiration from that. Um, even had him being quoted from that. But yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And that one kind of goes into the horror too, because because some of the as, uh, aspects is, has a definitely kind of like a horror theme to it. There are borderline ruffies in some of them. But yeah. One of the weirder horror ones that I've seen definitely though, I've mentioned it before, was Dracula Bites, because I, it takes place in the year it was made, but yet apparently nobody's read the fucking book. So when this dude comes in with like his 18th century cloak and cape and speaking in his fucking weird dialect, no one's like, hey, that's kind of weird. Like they're all just <laughs> treating it like it's semi-normal as like people are dying and disappearing. And they're like, what if it's that weird guy who moved in? I'm like, oh, the one wearing the frilly fucking shirt under like a suit with a fucking cloak. Like that, no, like immediately you would. It's probably that. That, that one's a fucking weird one and there's a guy who gets off by crushing apples in his hands like nice. he's like talking to someone for like five minutes just throwing the apple in the air and then he bends them over fucks them and then like crushes it as he's coming and i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> it's so fucking like a lot of the horror porn definitely though there is no horror it's more horror themed than mm-hmm. actually being like a horror movie but that's yeah. one of the weirder ones but yeah then you got it i mean the more horrific ones aren't even horror themed they're just um the roughies now we're gonna get into some of the rough stuff the real rough stuff yeah Jesus. yeah not necessarily roughies just they're rough they are rough <laughs> the, yeah i think i know what we're talking about okay so yeah you bring it up man you're the you're the golden roughy person right now <laughs> So I've mentioned multiple times about Avon Theaters, Phil Prince. Um, Basically, they were making movies that we've been discussing this whole time on the way more extreme end of things to the point where like even 30, 40 years later, they're still, you know, some of the most controversial pieces of pornography ever made. And that's the stuff like Taming of Rebecca, Forgive Me, Forgive Me, I Have Sins, Pain Mania, as I discussed before, like it was literally just to be the filthiest and dirtiest filmmakers they could be. And Mm -hmm. they're shot horribly. They're edited horribly. The audio is awful, but it adds to it. It makes it seem that much filthier where it literally is like, all right, here's two dudes and a chick in some basement and they're role playing some horrible things that you should never role play. Yeah. Yeah. The the taming of Rebecca literally stopped my preparation for this episode for a couple of days. Like I was just watching, I was watching constant sex shit, and then the beginning, just the dialogue in the beginning. Yeah, Yeah, you don't even have to watch it; you can just hear it, and you're like, cringe. (laughs) Seriously, dude, it's it's definitely rough. It's but it's beyond roughies; like it's just straight up filth. Same with "Forgive Me, I Have Sinned," which stars Ron Jeremy as a priest that. Uh, you know, accepts abused and sexually assaulted women, and then he does the same. 
So, uh, yeah, just, but the whole Phil Prince, um, Avon theaters, basically anything Avon theaters put out will be some of the hardest, nastiest, disgusting shit to watch just for the content alone, let alone how rough it looks, how like the sound quality, the editing on that. Yeah. And touching, touching on like the hardest that roughies get, we got fucking your favorite too with Jamie Gillis and like water power. Yeah. Water power is definitely a rough one um because that one is not just hardcore sex but it's kind of it's pretty violent too if you can watch the uncut like just i mean not even the animas themselves but like some of the because it's based off of a real true crime case yeah so but i mean but basically after all of that jamie gillis ended up getting sick of the way the scene went in the 80s where it kind of stopped being artistic and it was more just it was porn as you know now. Oh, here Land. comes the pizza guy with a large sausage. Ha ha, isn't it <laughs> clever? Like, then that was kind of the point where anybody could do it. Nobody really cared about the art of it. It was just a quick buck. And I feel like that's really where it died down. And it went from being movies to being porn. To being yeah. clips, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was definitely like the 80s, which is when Gillis started going, making his Gonzo home movies and stuff like On the Prowl and Humiliation of Heidi, Walking Toilet Bowl 1 through 4, like, mm-hmm. you know, because he just got sick of the whole Hollywood thing and the, how it was treated. So, yeah. One that I liked a lot was uh, Lust Inferno, which is so it's basically going back into that taboo, but it's like, um, basically like a, a family and it's like two daughters and they're trying to explore their sexuality, but one's not quite, you know, she's shy. So she's like, well, what if I go to a brothel and kind of just like work there and try to get my kicks. And so she goes to a brothel and, you know, first client that she you know gets is her father, but she's in disguise because she doesn't want to, um, you know, give away well, who she is. And at first she's like refusing any type of money because she sees who it is. It's like, I'll, you know, 3000 blah, blah, blah. Like the most I'll pay, uh, I've ever paid somebody, but I want this girl. Um, but she still refuses. So he just kidnaps her or has somebody kidnap her and get her ready. Um, and then basically there's just this long sex scene with the father and the daughter. And then at the end, he's like, all right, now let me pay you. He's like, you don't need to pay me. I love you, daddy. And And he's just like, what the fuck? Uh, (laughs) to be honest that sounds a little familiar like i feel like i've seen that actually oh it's so wrong but some of the lines are great you know and he's just like kind of tying up this girl's like you're gonna feel the sword of the lord (laughs) (laughs) sword of the lord that reminds me of one i kind of want to touch on but it's uh it's called deep sleep have either of you seen it no you told me about it it's a take mm. on basically it's a it's named after because deep throat was big so he's like oh if i name it deep something but it's basically this uncle um his niece dies and he's always been crazily sexually attracted to her so she dies he ends up like fucking her corpse at the funeral and then after that he realizes he can't get it up anymore so he goes to like a therapy <laughs> type of thing like a clinic like as an inpatient and like they just do all these horrible like weird fucking things just to see if he'll get hard again then it's eventually when he gets over the death of his niece that he's able to finally reach orgasm dude i i I really want to watch that (laughs) but that one that one was made by a guy a local politician one of the or of the mayor the local police chief 
it was basically four buddies sitting around one night like, oh, you know, if I could, I'd make a porno. And then these guys were like, oh, well, I'll give you money. Let's do it. He had his mom working on it, his family, like his family <laughs> members working on it. Uh, it ended up eventually going to trial for the content. And like a lot of people were trying to sue him, get their names taken off of it. But it was basically this guy with a small town dream. And he made one of the like, weirdest, grossest movies ever. Where like he said that like they understood what they were making. Or like you know his family members kind of knew. But like he wasn't that detailed about what they were doing. And yeah, <laughs> it got <laughs> it caused crazy. a lot of trouble, a lot of controversy. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I need that movie now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to go into like the last bit of our... I think what changed the porn industry and where it is now. Cause like, I mean, it definitely died once the video market kind of came in and yeah. the, with the other gonzo films where it was just very low plot. And, and then since then we basically don't really have anything that great. I mean, there's some things that come out here and well, there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think like the big things, thing but... was, I think the big thing was also with the, video market it was kind of the same thing with horror it's like all right well now anybody can do this and release it's a mom yeah. and pop shop yeah and, and the know, quality just drops yeah the budget dropped and the and sometimes it was fun like bimbo cheerleaders from outer space you know yeah it was fun but you get did get a lot of bad just nonsense you know just porn for the sake of porn <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, i mean there's it, some it great became, parodies that came out you know shortly it, after but it, it became like every other fucking subgenre. basically it's like once it gets so bloated like there's gems here and there but for the most part it's dead yeah. i mean it was doomed to get um uh, to have that happen to him even from the get-go yeah um, it was almost always gonna pop eventually yeah yeah but it's and just I mean, about making a comeback, which some well, people are trying yeah. to do nowadays. Come That's back. the thing, though, <laughs> that sexploitation really started about pushing the limits and giving people what they want. And now everything's so readily available, no one really cares anymore. There's nothing, no farther to go. All right, so that was our topic episode on sexploitation. I hope you enjoyed our ADHD thinking and talking, but it is a genre that we all love and appreciate. And, you know it's fun to take a deep dive and just hear things we haven't seen and see things we haven't ever wanted to. So, uh, <laughs> uh, for quality violence cinema, I'm Goblin. I'm Bone. And I'm Christian. Thanks oh, for I'm not Christian. Us. I'm, you know. <laughs> He's taming okay. Rebecca. So, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> later.